Hi, I'm Tanya Estes and welcome to Tales from the Moon Tower, a podcast that brings you stories about Texas history that you never got in school, including unsung heroes, amazing ladies, myths, legends, true crime, and tales that still haunt us. Today, I need to preface this episode with a trigger warning. The descriptions of this mass murder of black Texans are truthful but graphic. It is a gruesome part of our history, but one that should never be forgotten. I interview Constance Jawade, who details the history of this Texas massacre in Slocum and the fight they still have today to recover the bodies and to tell the history. Mr. Wade helped E.R. Bills with information for his book, The 1910 Slocum Massacre, An Act of Genocide in East Texas. You can find this and other books by E.R. Bills in my Tales from the Moon Tower bookshop at www.bookshop.org slash Tales from the Moon Tower. I will also have photos, links, and more information about this episode on the website at www.talesfromthemoontower.com. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. So um, why don't you give everybody a little bit of background on what happened in Slocum and where Slocum is? Okay, Slocum is about, I would say about 10 miles southeast of Palestine, Texas, in East Texas. And it is an unincorporated town. Ah, okay. 1910, it was a predominantly black town. And that all changed on the date, July 29th, 1910. Hmm. And for two days, there was what is now called the Slocum Massacre, when an all-white mob killed at least, at least 300 Blacks. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. It's one of the largest, if not the largest massacre of blacks in this country in recent history. And I'm calling 1910 recent history. Um, most of the country recognizes the Tulsa yes. uh, riot. And that's because Oklahoma recognizes it. Most people in this country recognizes Rosewood because uh-huh. Florida did right by their community and Mm -hmm. recognized it and they teach it in their curriculum. They give their victims college education for what was lost, you know, trying to repair what was lost, but not many Americans know about the Slocum massacre. And that is because Texas um, is, has not really come to, to grips with what happened or they don't want to face what has happened. And so because Texas doesn't acknowledge it really as a whole or does right by its descendants, not many in the country have heard of it. And and you fe- I feel as a Texan that at least Texans should know about it. But I have to say, Constance, I came across this story by accident just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm an educated woman. I, w- I had a librarian. I was a librarian my whole career. I usually have access to more information, you know, than other people, for example, on my campus, just because I have to kind of know a little of everybody's curriculum. Nothing. I've never heard of it. 
And that goes to show you the power of white supremacy. If they want to sniff out history, rewrite history, whitewash history, or make history disappear altogether, you can easily do so in a, in a system of white supremacy. And that is what we are up against here in Texas. So, Constance, part of the reason why I know about this is because of the work that you did with E.R. Bells, and um, and he's got the book uh, about this, and that's actually how I found it. I literally came across his name when I was searching for a different massacre in Texas that nobody ever talks about. That's in Kerven. Um, and, and actually I didn't even know about that massacre. The only reason why I knew about that one was because the author of that book, uh, wrote a book about the Driscoll hotel and I was researching some ghost stories. Um, and and he happened to include it in his book on the Driscoll hotel. So really it was an accident of an accident. And, um, I think you touch on something that's really important regarding why it's relevant, I would like for you to talk about your journey um, with ER, because I know you all work together on uncovering a lot of information that was really getting denied to you. Right. I would love to start talking about um, beginning the the quest for Mm -hmm. um, justice in Slocum to start with. You know, I can't start with what I and ER did without acknowledging what my grandfather did and was denied. Oh, yes. And what my father and his brothers did and were denied. This started in the 70s. Wow. Um, that so is a long journey. A long journey, a long journey. I remember my grandfather and my father, uh, my grandfather, Mert, my um, uncle, LD, and my father, Leo Holly. They tried to battle the... Anderson County Historical Committee to get a marker, and they were denied. Um, I remember being a junior high and a high school student helping my father and uncle and my grandfather doing research. I would go downtown to the Dallas Public Library and Mm -hmm. back then to access newspapers and and various things. You'd have to get the microfiche and do the reel-to-reel film. Absolutely. So, and then pay your dime to have it printed. So it started way back then before the advent of um, the internet or software to help you access different articles. So this has been a very, very, very long time coming. And sadly, um, my grandfather passed maybe five, six years ago. My father died in 2010 my uncle died in December 2015 Mm -hmm. so they they all passed before this thing was approved or given a marker and now that we have the marker it is my fear that we won't see real justice and to me justice looks like uncovering our relatives who are dumped in mass graves in Slocum And it's my concern that we won't unearth them before I go the same way my father and and grandfather did. But ER and I met in 2011 or 2012 um, after the Texas legislature gave a resolution acknowledging that the Slocum massacre did indeed happen. And Mm -hmm. so we began work 
again, he joined me in battling um, Anderson County for a marker, a historical marker. Mm-hmm. That's where I mm-hmm. wanted to start. Just the county that it happened in, I wanted it to be acknowledged. You can right. find markers um, where in Anderson County where um, white men were killed by Native Americans. That got a marker. But whenever the victims are people of color and the victimizers are white, it's really hard, really, really hard to get a marker. Well, yes. And I've talked about that with Felix Longoria. He temporarily had a marker, but that's been taken down now. So, and that was a battle just to get that. So, but I want to back up a little bit because there's a lot, there's definitely a lot to unpack here. You said that your grandfather and your uncles started this in the seventies. Can you tell us their connection to the events in Slocum? Yes, um, my grandfather is the grandson of Jack Holly, who was the primary landowner, and I believe he was the person um, that you know that they targeted because he owned the only store. Ah. He owned the only granary in Slocum. He owned the dairy. He owned the most land. He was the unofficial mayor of Slocum, a predominantly black community prosperous black community and he was a very prosperous um, and wealthy man Mm -hmm. and that made a lot of white folks very envious how dare you be a freed slave you were born a slave and freed and how dare you take your skills and your ability and your talents to build your own wealth that Mm -hmm. was offensive, offensive to white supremacy so my grandfather is the grandson and my my father and my uncle, of course, are the great grandchildren of Jack Holly. Okay. Okay. Wow. So I can absolutely see that as being a target. I mean, that's what happened with Rosewood and and Tulsa as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it, that tends to be you know the playbook, if you will. This is why that that women were targeted in witch trials. You know, that if they had property that would somebody wanted. Well, let's invent a story and call her a witch. It's always, it's how they do things. Right. It's how how oppressors do things through history. So let's, let's um, revisit. I know that you had said that there's about 300 or more victims. Um, So where were, were these just locals or did people come from around Texas? Like what happened that day or those days? During those days, um, they came predominantly from the area of Palestine. And these men rode into Slocum on white, on um, horseback, these white men to kill or to massacre those in Slocum who were black. Two weeks before um, Slocum, uh, the massacre in Slocum happened, there was a heavyweight fight. There are a lot of stories as to why these men did this. Um, they the white men did generate a story saying that the black people were planning to uprise and kill white mm-hmm. folks. That was not true. That oh, was a bald-faced lie. Yeah. But two weeks prior to the massacre, there was a, a boxer named Jack Johnson. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, I've he, heard of him, but I don't know his full story. Okay. he's a, a He was a black man who um, was a a heavyweight boxer. Mm 
And he challenged this boxer named Jeffries, who was the face of white supremacy. And Jeffries said that he was going to um, knock out um, Johnson and it was going to show that the white race was the dominant race. And they called him the great white hope. Okay. Yeah, that's the story. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds familiar to me now. Yes. So what happened was it the story didn't the the boxing match didn't go the way Jeffries thought. And Johnson pulverized him Mm -hmm. and won the match. And he knocked he literally knocked out the great white white hope Mm -hmm. and everything that the great white hope said he would do on behalf of white folks. And so they said, you don't publish it in papers. A lot of papers didn't publish or print the results of that fight. They didn't talk about it. They acted as if it didn't happen. But what did my great, great grandfather do, Jack Holly? He celebrated, he partied and, and pretty much rubbed it in their faces. They didn't mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and there was also a Did that kickstart? That's this? what I truly believe in my family that's what we believe it that kick-started it because my grandfather said that Spurger and the locals in the Palestine area call my grand great great grandfather excuse the language but they called him an uppity nigger mm-hmm. and they were going to put him in his place how dare he be smart how dare he be wealthy and then you're going to be in their in their quote in their words an uppity nigger or arrogant or thinking he's better than white folk. So they rode into town to put him in his place and the others and Slocum in their place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, do you know if the, I mean, that's a lot of people. Do you, did they just go anyone they saw or did they have targets? Um, do you anyone know how that they saw that okay. had black skin so children, children, oh. I believe the youngest victim is like three months that I know of. So it didn't matter the yeah. age, the gender. You were black. You were going to die that day. So we lost a lot of cousins. Yeah. We lost. I lost uncles. Family members died in this massacre. And for the state or the newspaper say, OK, there were 22 victims. I know there were 22 victims in my family alone with my surname. And then I lost a ton of cousins with the surname Wilson and many others. So it was just a great cover up and it continues to be covered up by Texas because, you know, white supremacists don't want the world to, doesn't want the world to think that their ancestors were these monsters and they right. would do something like this. So. Well, so you said that they were put in mass graves. Now, I will say this about mass graves. Mm-hmm. Mass graves happen in hurricanes. They happen um, during plagues and things like this. But in any story like this that I research, when either the plague subsides or the hurricane cleanup happens, the bodies are then dug back up and moved to a proper burial place. Mm-hmm. You are struggling even today to have access to the sites of the burials to give them a right. proper burial. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. Um, as you mentioned, mass graves do happen. 
during a plague or a hurricane, but the intent of a mass grave during those scenarios is public yes. health to keep disease from spreading and to get them somewhere until they can come back, unearth them, and properly funeralize them. Absolutely. There is 100% a difference between that and what they were doing, which was dehumanizing them in this moment. They were I'm bringing that up to say that even in those moments, they'll go back and make the effort right. to retrieve bodies. They don't right. just leave them there, you know? Right. But here, it's like they didn't care. Yeah, it, they did it to hide the evidence. They did it to dehumanize them. They did it so they could um, ignore the what they did and and move on with their lives. You know, it was total um, dehumanization of my family members and the family members of others. So um, we believe we found a mass grave. We're we're I'd say 99.999% positive. We've located the mass grave. Mm -hmm. So one day I went down to Slocum. We all went down on the anniversary about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And there was a man outside who took care of this particular spot that's now a ranch. And he said, yes, he knew um, there were bodies buried there. Everybody knows that there are bodies buried there. And he would see what he could do to get us access to the land. You know, I wanted to come in with a ground penetrating ra- ground penetrating radar that um, the archaeology department at Stephen F. Austin State University said they would u- let us utilize yeah. if we got access to the land. And so the dean of that department, he even helped me find my um, great-great-grandfather, Jack Holly, using the ground penetrating radar. And we gave him a headstone and all. But he said, once we got access to the land, he would use, he and the archaeology department would use that um, GPR to verify um, the locations or identify the locations of the mass grave on that property. Mm-hmm. And we know it's on that property. Well, the owner said that he had to get with his nephew that actually owned the land and he lives in Arlington, Texas. And I said, okay, no problem. So he got in touch with him, had him call me and he said, um, no problem. We can do this. And it would not be a big deal. And then a day later he called and said, I Googled you and the information, and you didn't tell me that you were black. Oh, my gosh. He says, you you were trying to hide that. I said, <gasps> what do you mean trying to hide that? I wasn't trying to hide anything. I didn't know that was something I had to disclose, you know. I oh, my it. gosh. Anyway, so he denied me access to it. to it. He said, nope, can't have access to it, and ran into him two years ago there and he explained to me very very um uh, in just the most vile way possible that possession is nine tenths of the law and that since he owned that land and my relatives were in that land he owned my relatives oh my gosh I can't even process that they're still speaking this way. I mean, I can, but, you know, I don't want to. That was in 2018. 
And Uh so he said, they're his property, deal with it. And I said, how would you feel if I owned property in which your relatives were buried in and denied you access to them? He says, that's hypothetical. You don't. Oh, my gosh. Constance. I mean, and the thing of it is, is that it's it anything to wield power, you know, mm-hmm. anything to wield power, but it doesn't erase the history. It doesn't. History. You know, well, and so you were able to get the you were denied access to the bodies. I know that you are still working on that, um, but I want to go back to the historical marker because not only did the Anderson Historical Society, I believe, put up a fight about it, but the ultimate Texas state historical marker is still inaccurate. Let's talk about that. Yes, he would. um, Jimmy Odom, he was the chair of the um, Anderson Anderson County Historical Commission at the time. Mm -hmm. He did not support the application for the marker. Mm-hmm. He said that he would have no problem granting the marker if the Slocum massacre was an actual event, and it was not. It was just lore. It was made up. Well, and the thing of it is, is that all of the things that you're saying he said is on record. He has it's told this, yeah, he's told this to reporters. He's told this, and it's in transcripts of meetings. All of this is on record. Yes, yeah. but that was his initial um thing thing that he told me that it didn't happen so we er and i provided him with newspaper accounts Mm -hmm. and he said it was fake news it was lies 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 Mm -hmm. um and then he tried to make it seem also as if it was something manufactured to just make anderson county and slocum look bad Nobody was doing that then. I mean, he was totally nonsensical. Mm-hmm. And talking to him was like talking to um, a turtle. Mm-hmm. I was getting nowhere. And he started um, calling me names. You know, my name is Constance. And when I call, he said, oh, Condoleezza. Is this Condoleezza? Oh, right? no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It was so offensive. And I'd tell him over and over, my name is Constance. And he'd say, okay, Condoleezza. Well, (sighs) you've got nothing else, right? So so that lets you know a little bit of the kind of person we were dealing with. And again, I mean, I've seen newspaper interviews with him about this saying exactly these sorts of things. So mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it, he was so brazen about it. It's on record. <laughs> and he doesn't care that it's on record because mm-hmm. the uh, white supremacist network protects him. Yeah. It really protects him. When you go to East Texas, some East Texas towns like Slocum, it's like you've stepped into a time machine and dialed it back a hundred years. The people there still live with that mindset and it's scary. And as when we got closer to the marker, um, once the application was submitted, because we went around them and the state said that they would approve it, I mean, receive it rather, without the approval of the county. 
So we circumvented the county because we told the state everything that the county was doing. The county um, historical commission even closed. They said mm-hmm. they're closing and not accepting any more applications. They wow. did all of that to try to stop our progress. But we went directly to the state and spoke to Brinkman and explained to him what the county was doing. So mm-hmm. they said they would receive it without the county's approval. Mm-hmm. And when Odom heard that, he was livid. I mean, he was really upset. And he told me, or he asked me, why are you doing this? Why are you stirring this up? He said, don't you know that you're upsetting the good black people down here with this mess? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I was upsetting his good black people. And then he said, I know ER is putting you up to this because you're a woman. And I know you're not thinking of doing all this yourself. Oh, sure. We don't do those things. <laughs> We're just so happy, you know. Yeah. At home, you know, whatever. Baking but, cookies uh, and, and yeah. not starting trouble for white supremacy. I, I love baking cookies, but I also love historical facts. So, exactly. so let me go back to the marker as well, though, because not only did you have to fight to and go through all, all the stories you're saying about this was obviously an uphill battle. The fact that you even were able to get it is amazing. However, it is historically inaccurate. Exactly. So let's talk about that. Yes, they won't put the actual number of people um, who actually died um, because doing so would make them look in their eyes just like really bad people. So just say there were eight victims and or so and let's, you know, let's let's whitewash it as much as possible and not make it look as bad as it actually was. Where that, was the number from? Where did they get eight? I have no idea. It's okay. something literally pulled out of the air. Oh, I thought it was like maybe specific names or something that and they there are specific names. But how they decided upon those eight specific people. I can't tell you. I yeah, know. like that's what I wanted to know. Like, I, I, because it is such a large discrepancy. This happened with Dead Man's Hole as well. You know, there's so many people that, you know, were found their end at the bottom of Dead Man's Hole, but that's not all that's recorded right. <laughs> on those things. So, um, so I'm like, I don't know if they decided to let's let's choose the eight from the family that's making the most noise, the Holly family, ah. throw an extra couple in there. I don't know how they came up with these victims. I wish I could make sense of a nonsensical situation. Right. I hope that ultimately Texas comes to recognize this story. It's important to be inclusive with Texas history. It's important to engage people with their history because we unlock so much that we need to know that explains a lot about what we see every day. So I just think it's really important that these stories come out. And I just appreciate your willingness to talk to us today about this. I know um, that it's a painful subject. Yeah. And I hope the story spreads. Um, especially here in Texas, but when you have states or systems or environments that function under the, you know, under the guise of white supremacy, they do not embrace stories or histories where 
the white man is not the hero. And mm-hmm. sadly, there's no white hero or heroine in the Slocum mass in the massacre that happened in Slocum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, thank you for all the work that you do. I hope that we get the outcomes that you get the outcomes that you're looking for and that Texas starts including it. Um, and this goes back to even like who we have on our state boards and what, what resources we use. I know you're a school principal, so I know the education factor matters to you. Right. I've written to the State Board of Education and asked them to consider meeting with me to talk about adding the Slocum Massacre into the Texas history curriculum. I haven't heard a reply. I'll do it again. You know, it's important that we teach history through a non-Eurocentric lens, especially Mm -hmm. when the majority of our state is black and brown in the public education system. Mm -hmm. Um, like in public cities like Dallas, where I work, but um, no response. And hopefully they will um, respond soon. But right now, my biggest mission as it relates to Slocum is to retrieve the bodies or the remains of those people who were killed and return them to their families. You know, with DNA, there's ways to do that. They've done it um, in the you know, when they unearthed mass graves down by Houston, they were building a school. I can't recall the the name of the city right now, but they were starting the construction of a school, Sugarland, I think. Mm-hmm. And they found these skeletal remains, and now they're returning them to their family oh, with, wow. by utilizing DNA. That's all I want. That's That's what I want right now. And I guarantee you, if those graves graves were filled with the bodies of Confederate soldiers or little blonde and blue-eyed children um, that were massacred by Blacks, the state would have dug them up years ago and reunited them with their family. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, that, that has absolutely happened when it's come to those that um, came across Native Americans, you know, who were in truth, just defending their territory. You know, the people of Slocum deserve that as much as anybody else. Well, thank you again for coming on today, Constance. We will do our best to, um, you know, get this message out. The story needs to be told. And I do have the book, ladies and gentlemen, in my uh, bookshop that you can find online on the website. And I'll post more about that too in the show notes. But best of luck on your endeavors, Constance. And I do hope to follow up if anything interesting unfolds. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to Tales from the Moon Tower. If you like this episode, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and SoundCloud. Each review helps people find the show. You can also connect with Tales from the Moon Tower on Instagram and Facebook, and you can visit the website at www.talesfromthemoontower.com to find out more about the show. The link to our bookshop is there too, where any purchase you make helps support the podcast as well as independent bookstores nationwide. Our merchandise shop is there too if you want to help support the podcast with fun things like shirts and stickers. That's our show and thank you for listening.